Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about Blizzard and the games that we love that they make, which is, you know, kind of the whole purpose. It isn't just us standing around watching their corporate headquarters. That would just be weird. Uh, I'm That's not what I do. Was I supposed to be doing something else? Uh, you're allowed to do whatever you want because you're the editor-in-chief and you can pretty much whatever you can do. Oh, that's you right. Yes, you have all the power. You can go, you can wander around your house naked if you want to. That's Wait, you disgusting. can do that anyway. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I go around naked in my house. It's my house. That's like double disgusting. Anyway, uh, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host. And with me this week, as always, two Splendiferous co-hosts. Yes, right, Splendiferous. I haven't used Splendiferous before, I don't think. First up... Um, she writes just about everything and edits up a storm. So, Anne Stickney. Anne, what have you been up to? Well, I was tweeting the show. Now it's there been you go. Um, <laughs> what have I been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. I've, I didn't log in to get my garrison stuff yesterday, and I'm feeling kind of guilty about that. Oops. Oh, well. Um, I was on the Girls Gone Wow podcast over the weekend. That was fun. We did a two-and-a-half-hour show because I don't know when to shut up. Do you, do you know when it'll be out so people can hear it? It's actually out already. If you go to girlsgonewow.net, it's on there, and it's available for download. Okay. Cool. And we talked mostly lore. There was there were some other questions about various things. They did a little interview. We had a lot of fun, so I love that show. Awesome. Great. I don't think oh. I'd be able to talk anymore after two and a half hours. I, mean, I, I can. You know me. You've I know been you. On can. a car trip with me twice, I can just go on forever. It's true. <laughs> uh, oh, since he, you know, he's interjected himself twice now. Um, let's just go right straight to him. Alex, what's up? Hi. Uh, nothing much. How are you, Matt? Actually, it's funny. I've been playing more World of Warcraft lately. Really? Uh, I had. I never actually stopped, but I was playing it a lot less. But lately, I've actually been logging on every day, doing the garrison stuff. Uh, I've tried to do a dungeon a day, even though. Quite frankly, dungeons are not at all rewarding. There's no reason to do them. But I do them anyway just because I feel bad. I actually feel bad for the dungeons that no one runs them. They're like little deserted ghost towns full of content going, Why won't you play me? And we're like, I'm sorry, dungeons, but you don't do anything. I get better gear out of LFR, and there's no point to collecting a bunch of garrison resources in this fashion. I don't need them. Sorry. Do you get resources from dungeons? Yeah, you if you run, you, yeah, you run the first dungeon, you get, like, uh, if you just run a random one, you get, like, so many garrison resources, and then there's the garrison resource quest that you get in your garrison. Oh, I know See, they added the, the quest. I'm already capped just with the missions, so I don't, like... I, I'm not capped, but it's like I stay at exactly around the same amount. Like, I fluctuate between 1,500 and 2,000, and that's just where I stay. Like, the amount I spend and the amount I bring in is about the same. I'm not going up, I'm not going down. So it's like, I, I, if, you never, if, if you never spend them on anything, you don't need them for anything. Yeah. You know? It's just, I yeah. just every, every now and again, I will go get more of those trait re-roller tokens um, just to bring get it back down under hunter. 10k. And yeah, hopefully to get another treasure hunter. Hasn't worked yet. <laughs> One of my alts somehow lucked out and has like seven followers with Scavenger. It just worked out that way. Yeah, I've got so a she gets so many resources. It's stupid. So I ended up building a trading post just to dump resources into like fur or whatever's selling on the auction house on any particular day. Just because yeah. she gets so many resources, it's stupid. I can cap resources in a week. When I've got when I get the the missions where it's like, oh, you get 
a chunk of resource, like it's 200 resource or whatever, you know, where it's like one of those missions where you get a, a substantial number. Yeah, I will pack it full of people and I will turn it around and I'll have like 1,500 resources for the yep. mission or whatever. Yeah, it's, for me, it's just been, I've been doing those, uh, I've been running dungeons. I did um, heroic uh, BRF the other night and didn't do too terribly, but the problem I have is that my gear isn't bad, but I don't have any like set bonuses either. So it's kind of like, you really need the set bonuses to maximize what you're doing, but I don't have them, so I'm just kind of messing around. But it was fun. I had a good See, time. I the problem is I had sick. Bad. No, it's fine. I just, I got sick in the middle of the run. And in the old days, I would have just tried to power through it. I've been like, no, I, I gotta stay. But I'm so much more casual about it now that I'm like, guys, um, I gotta go. I'm sorry, but I, I, I need See, to do horrible things, so. I like that part of being casual. If yeah. I feel like crap, I'm leaving. Peace out. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, but I, that was that was my week, and wow, I've actually played quite a bit. I haven't like, I haven't gotten back into transmog farming because I don't need anything. I don't like, have room for anything. I don't have room either, but I also like I don't have anything left. I want like I got <laughs> everything. Like there's one sword I want out of Karazhan, and that's it. I have like the perfect set transmog set right now for my character and it's so perfect that I don't want to get another one I just I just want her in that indefinitely maybe even until the next expansion don't know I fluctuate between sets that I like but for me it's mostly about weapons like I, I, I put on a set that just looks coherent together and I'm fine but for me it's about weapons like you know I, I go obviously I always go back to Ashkandi but it's like half the time I'm like ooh I want to wear this weapon do I have it yeah I do See, the problem with that is the only thing that I can transmog to is daggers. So I'm really limited in scope as to what I can cart around. Yeah, they did, I gotta admit, they did transmog for like warriors and paladins and DKs a huge service. Because they made it so you can transmog um, swords, axes, maces, polearms, and stabs all to each other. Right, all, all and you can't, you can't... Yeah. I mean, if you're playing an assassination rogue... You yeah. use daggers. That's the only weapon you can use is daggers. And they don't um, even let you. They don't even let you do fists to daggers. No, you can't do fists to daggers. to daggers. You can't or... do swords to daggers. No, yeah. it's just daggers. That's it. Daggers to daggers. It's very boring. Yeah, my problem with transmog <laughs> is I. I always am like, yeah, I really like this set. I'm going to go get it, and I realize I only envision my characters in one particular set. So yeah. Even if I get other stuff, I'm never going to use it. So why get it? <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's it, I definitely use multiple sets. Um, it, but it's funny because, I mean, first off, warriors have better tier sets than other classes. This is just not disputable. Uh, most of the classes have one really good transmog set or two, depending on your class. Yeah, I think um, the one rogues, I use rogues have a really good is tier. Rogues have an amazing tier two. That's like, I mean, mm. one of the best. It's, yeah. it's, I don't it's, actually use tier two. The you use tier one, then? Those no, old the sets one... look so dated now. Yeah. It's so low res compared to other things that like it's noticeably bad, whereas they used to be like the best. What I'm doing right now is I have cobbled together this this like set that looks like um, my my nice little troll rogue is wearing a loincloth because the belt works as a loincloth for whatever reason. The belt from like current content and then like the boots and everything else all it like it all came together and it looks really good. And, and I don't want to do anything else with it. I've got like the horde chest plate thing and 
everything out. It, it just, it meshes together really well. I'm like, okay, she looks like a cool horde assassin. I'm going to keep her like that for a while. So I haven't, I haven't flipped her transmog and I haven't felt like going to get anything else. When I was playing, when, when, when I had her as a blood elf, I changed it like every three days. <laughs> my my paladin my... uses that blue rocky set that I don't think anybody else in the world likes using. Mm. But I just I just like the vibrant blue and it has a texture. I think it's pretty though. I like the catacly- it's the Cataclysm starter set, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, See, I, I have I mean, that I set, like but... Judgment. I like Lightbringer, but they're so low res compared to everything else these days that that blue set has an actual texture that I love. Yeah. See, see, for me, it's I mix tier six and tier ten half the time. Half the time I use Warrior Tier Six for the head and shoulders, and gloves and boots, and then I use Tier Ten chest plate, belt, and legs, and that's one set that I use that I've put together. Uh, mm-hmm. The other set I have um, is a complete Draenei set because they have that Draenei reputation gra- faction in this expansion that gives you the same set as the guards at Carabor wear. Yeah. So I have that, and I wear that with a couple of swords that I got from uh, Wrath, actually, the Claremore the Prophet. Which is a yeah. Draenei looking two-hander. I use those with that, and then I have the. Uh, I, I'm not actually a paladin, but I play one on TV set, which is two hammers and the Naru, and then the as close as I can, mostly tier, like tier six pally, tier five pally pieces that are lookalikes, okay. and I've got that mixed together. I have this See, like, neat crown. That situation calls for purple judgment. Yeah. No, I would never wear purple judgment. See, I don't have purple judgment, but I've got like the teal judgment set on my rogue, the leather one that was. Oh from, yeah, from the scourge event. It was yeah, it was like the wrath launch event. It, it, you got the sets. I I hung on to my sets, and I'm so glad that I did because now I can actually use them for transmog. And it's like, look, I'm a paladin, only I'm not. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> anyway, think, like every class in the game got judgment during that event or something. Oh, they absolutely! Got, yeah. Everybody got a recolor of the judgment set. It was oh, that oh. teal recolor, and it came out in every. Did the, did the rogue one have the shoulders that looked right? Yeah. Or did they, okay, because well, no, they the had ones. like they were they were they didn't look like the judgment shoulders. They were just like capped shoulders that were teal, but they didn't have yeah. like blades the, on them. The like plate the set, judgment the plate set actually had the shoulders. Yeah, and I yeah, read every day that I got rid of shoulders. It just wasn't the. Yeah. It didn't look like the plate shoulders. Well, um, we should probably move on because if not, we'll talk about transmog for another twenty five minutes. Yeah. yeah, I was I was going to say though because news. Did you see um, 6.2? They're actually coming out with another Draenei Transmog set. You I did can not. Get the cloth, you can get the Cloth Priest set from oh, Carabor. That's, that's why I didn't see that, because I don't care. Cloth. Yeah. <laughs> it's cloth. Now, that's, that's the thing that I wanted to talk about, though, because here we've got, you know, plate and cloth. Well, where's the stuff for the male and the leather wearers? Do those Draenei don't see, count? Honestly, I think that the, for, the, for the Draenei set... The plate stuff should step down to male for male wearers. Yeah. Um, as far as the the cloth look, maybe should step up to leather. Either that, or they wear. should release some kind of an official Rengari set that's leather and yeah. male. You yeah. know, you can the the armor that the Rengari wear. You can actually get those pieces. They're just greens. Yeah. But it doesn't look right on anybody but Draenei. I feel. And yeah. on Draenei, that helmet makes them look like Protoss, and it's, it's weird. so weird. <laughs> Yes, but it's also awesome. Yeah. All right, we should probably talk about some news. Um, Here's the Storm's launches today, I think, or tomorrow. Tomorrow. It'll be be today when you hear this, yeah. Yeah, by the time they hear the show, it will be out. Heroes is out. Hooray. And uh, today today they released a really cool video for the Crusader, Joanna. Is that her name, Joanna? Joanna. Joanna, yeah. 
And that was a, it's actually a really good video. A lot of the, the thing about the heroes videos is a lot of them are really good and kind of make you wish they did videos like this for their other games, but they don't. So whatever. Uh, but that was out today. So if you're, if you're keeping track of heroes or interested, you know, I want to know who the voice actress was for that. I think it was the same one. Wasn't it? I thought it was the same one who did it in the, in the, in Diablo. Who did it in Diablo? Who was that? I, I'd have to look it Whoever up. Whoever she is, she's cool. So, if you guys want to talk for a couple seconds, I can look it up. Nah, that's cool. I'll look it up later. What, I've been looking for for reasons that I will not disclose yet. Um, I've been looking at the uh, Heroes of the Storm character models a lot today, and the different skins. Mm-hmm. Those character models, some of them are really good, and when you're actually playing the game, you will never know. You don't see all those little the, tiny details. It's like isometric or top down, whatever. And the characters are teeny tiny on screen, and you barely see anything of them. But when you see the full character model, like taking up your screen, they're awesome character models. Like they're they're they look awesome. They would look good in like a full RPG. It's actually interesting. You know, that's the same thing with Diablo three, though. Like Diablo three character models look pretty good if you actually see them up close, which you almost never do. Right. It's you know kind of funny. But yeah, that's that was this week. Is there anything else? Like, am I missing something? I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, the the Q and A is this week. Yeah, yep. a uh, Saturday. Yes, this Saturday, June sixth. Uh, Ian Hazakostas is doing a live Q and A. Uh, it's posted up on on Blizzard Watch right now, and it'll still be there somewhere when, when you hear this. The, to, you know, links to the various ways you can put your question in. But basically, it's ask on Twitter. Uh, ask at Warcraft. Um, you just use the uh, hashtag Warlords Q A. And you ask your question. Obviously, it has to be the size of a tweet. If you want to ask on the forums, they have a forum post for it. But when you ask on the forums, you have to keep your questions to 40 words or less, or they will not look at them because <gasps> they they don't want people writing novels. And, and we, we, I think we can sympathize because we get some real long emails. <laughs> okay, the, uh, the female crusader is Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who did uh, Major Kusanagi and Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, see, and where I recognize her from, she was Maria in Silent Hill 2. But more recently, she was Queen Metallia in Sailor Moon Crystal. Which, by the way, is kind of good. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's, that's fine. <laughs> but I totally recognize her voice. I was like, where have I heard her before? I know. Ooh, I she was Nina her. Williams in Tekken Blood Vengeance, one see? of my favorite animes. See? Do you know why Tek- Tekken Blood Vengeance is hilarious? Because it's really bad. It's, yeah, and I mean, like, she she did... Man, she's got a lot of stuff that she's done. She's done a yeah. lot of things. I, I think every voice actor um, that does any kind of animation or video games ends up in everything. There yeah. doesn't seem to be a lot of them, or the ones that are good are in everything. The ones that oh, are yeah. good are used like all the time. But yeah, she she did like she she did a lot of um, stuff for Silent Hill. That's that's where I recognize her voice from, primarily. Yeah. Like uh, I just, I just Jane Proudmore's voice actress Laura Bailey for a long time. She just did anime like Dragon Ball Z, and then just a few years back, she completely exploded and she's in everything, which is you know, fine by me because I think Laura Bailey's awesome. That's because Laura Bailey actually does video voice directing. She actually she's been, is. She's, she's the voice director in a lot of the stuff that she does. So that's another thing you should keep in mind. She's I not was, just actress. I know. I was amazed when I was playing um, Inquisition, Dragon Age Inquisition, and. All of a sudden, a character showed up, and I'm like, that's Jaina. That's Jaina. Why am I listening to... Jaina, you look really different. <laughs> I, used, 
I got freaked out when I was playing Inquisition, and I realized that Liara was the voice of the little dwarf lady who was giving me advice. Yep. Right? Right? Yeah. Laura <laughs> Bailey's best role is the boss in Saints Row. Yes. Oh. Uh, I, I can't really disagree, but I was going to say my favorite, vo- my favorite voice actor gotcha moment is the very opening of Diablo 3 when Captain whatever his name is starts talking to you, and you're like, I know you! <laughs> oh my god, you're that guy! And it, it took me forever to realize it was Colin from Dragon Age. Yep. <laughs> but alright, we should move on to do some emails. Um, as always, if you have an email you would like us to answer, send it to um, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Um, we'll, we'll look at pretty much anything, any any Blizzard game. If we don't know the answer, we will you know, do our best to find out for you. Uh, we'll talk about lore, we'll talk about game mechanics, we'll talk about um, the F word, which in this case ha- has a starts with an F and then goes L I G H T. Uh, we'll talk about that if you want. Um, What's fligate? <laughs> fligate. Oh God. Anyway, um, the first email is from Tiergard from Ysera, and the email is: What do you think of the longevity of garrisons, especially with the in gold missions? Consider all the gold you could get with the in on alts, plus followers with the treasure hunter trait going into new expansions. Uh, Tear God, Ysera. I'm going to let you guys talk because I have an opinion about this, but it's fairly short. So. I think that once we get to a new expansion, the mission thing is going to shut down and or the gold rewards are going to be removed entirely. Brutally I don't think, nerfed. Yeah, brutally nerfed. Like, so hard. So hard. Because unless they're taking that into the next expansion, uh-uh. No, they're not going to leave that there as a way to get, make perpetual gold. You saw them do it. They've done this before. With They do it all the time with the old raids and things like that. They kind of cut back on the amount of gold that you get from raid drops. So you can't go back there and just farm perpetually for gold or whatever. So I'm, I'm expecting they're going to do kind of the same thing with Garrison. Don't they usually... Uh, don't they nerf the XP given by daily quests when the next expansion hits? Therefore, yes. the XP translating to gold means less gold? Yep. Yeah. Something like that. Yes. I'm going to say that my opinion is that they should do that. Yeah. That they should absolutely should not make it so that the garrison, unless they work the garrison into the next expansion where there's new missions and new followers. Right. And they change the cap and it's still a, a vital part of the expansion. Um, I think they should do that because you, you do. Imagine if you had to go back to Pandaria right now. Oh. Had to just to do your game. You know what go I mean? Do the farming. Yep. Go plant your seeds because you need the buff <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, oh. it's 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 fine to have that when you're when the game is current and that's the current content. Um, I might I have my own opinion about how how much garrisons are involved in Endgame and how much they should be, but <sighs> absent of that, you that's know, an it's, editorial I still need yeah. to write. <laughs> absent of that, you know, it's still it's fine to have the gold making power of the of the garrison now, but having it be something you're like still doing at level one ten or one twenty or whatever the next expansion is, Mm-mm. no. Unless they make it so that, you know, I don't know, at the end of this expansion, Draenor blows up, and now you and your floating garrison are, like, traveling the cosmos, you know? You put a big gun on the front of it. No! Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, otherwise, yeah, I think it should be nerfed. It should, you should not have to do the garrison in the next expansion as, you shouldn't have old content be your, you know, an integral part of your gameplay. It shouldn't be, it'd be, 
it would literally be like if you still had to go and like do quests for like you know some cataclysm faction. You had to now. go do the Dalaran raid quests. Every yeah. Week. <laughs> yeah. I, I would like the mission table to stick around though. Yeah, yeah, like in new some missions, aspect, and but... that's one thing I would love to see continue from Warlords. Honestly, I honestly I think there is a there's a level of play in the garrison that you can extend forward, and and you just need to make it so it isn't so all consuming. Yeah. Like I think the garrison, the biggest problem with the garrison is that it does too much. Way but too I, much. Yeah. It does everything. You don't need to leave it because everything happens there. It's actually interesting because I I can't source this right now live on the air but i remember an interview where they said in early testing for world of dream like very early play testing like internal testing garrisons weren't as all-encompassing and the yeah. testers were like hey you should extend this thing to everything and they're like that's a great idea let's was, include everything was that like a stockton interview i want to say think so yeah and the thing and, is the garrison mechanically the garrison is extremely elegant and well designed like I'm, I have my problems with what it does, but not with how it does it. Um, the the garrison is like it's every so often I stop and look and think about if there was just a game that was the garrison that was released, I might play that game. I would not play that game. I might because I've seen people play games I would like play it. Play that game for like about a week and then I would take it off my phone. It's like um because it's a phone game. <laughs> what is it? Animal Crossing. Yeah, it is uh, pretty. It is a pretty little bit, Animal yeah, Crossing. a little. I th- honestly, Animal Crossing was more engaging. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's the thing. The problem the garrison has, and I don't. I want us to move along at some point, but the problem with the garrison is that it, it it doesn't allow for you to do stuff that like cross player stuff. Imagine if you could trade followers, or if you could go to each other's garrisons and do missions there that you don't have at your own thing, or you know, like the archaeology, the way archaeology works in Animal Crossing, where you can dig stuff up and then you could give it to a friend or whatever. There's there's room for like that kind of thing that the garrison doesn't do. The garrison doesn't do cross player play. And that's a shame. You know, uh, I still want regular old player housing. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Like, this I, is, this is over like the- this thing where you have to do these work orders and all that, I would rather just have a house that I can decorate and I go out in the world and quest for this some is, new chairs. Yeah, and see, this is, this is the point. This is what I wanted, the point that I was, like, aiming towards with my, the editorial that I still need to get around to doing is that we asked them for player housing. Basically, we asked them for a shoebox, and we said, we would like a shoebox, please. And they said, oh, you want a shoebox? Okay, we'll go ahead and do that. And then they handed us, like, a land shark. <laughs> that's, that's nothing at all. It, it, maybe you could fit a shoebox inside of it, yeah, but does it actually work like it? No. No. It's like they heard what we said, they saw what we wanted, and then they gave us something else entirely and said, here aren't you happy? And it, it's not, it's not working. We have I no mean, reason to leave the garrison because everything that we can do, we can do in the garrison. The only thing that the garrison is lacking right now is a barber shop. <laughs> I still have you to know, go to a capital city for that. There are so many people who farm mounts and pets and go crazy trying to get them all. Why not just give me some drapes to collect? I don't collect drapes. And like throw rugs I and couches. See, and I, what I'd like to see is Wildstar's housing system. I'm sorry. I mean, Wildstar has its good points and its bad points, obviously. 
But and it is going free to play. Did you guys hear about that? It's going free oh, yeah. in the fall. Yep. Anyway, the thing that I liked about Wildstar, the thing that really caught me almost immediately, there were two things. Double jump. I thought double jump was the most amazing thing in the world. Um, just because I'm ridiculous about hitting my space bar. Player housing. Player housing was fantastic. You went into this little instance world that had its own little chat channel so you could talk to people and stuff. But as you were out in the world doing your quests and things, you were picking up pieces of furniture and you could just customize and build whatever. I don't know if you guys saw it or not. Raids, um, one of our writers, our staff writers, one of the things that he did in his player housing it was like Rainbow Road, but all he used was neon beer signs. He put in as many neon beer signs as he could, and he just made this racetrack that went up and down and around, and it was like a box of Legos, right? That's what that was. That's what that housing unit was. It was a box of Legos, and you could just go nuts with it. It was separate from the game. There was a little bit of feed-in, because to get the pieces, you had to play the game, right? That's what we want. Like, yeah. that's it. I remember <laughs> Blizzard's line there. Well, I'll be straight up and honest with you. I don't want that. Yeah, you don't I, want that. But the thing is, is no, but, no, it's but a totally like, optional thing. And even totally. if you don't want to play it and you don't want to go in there and you don't want to do anything with it, those furniture pieces that you pick up, you could sell them on the auction house, make some money off of it. I'm just going to what I'm trying to say is that there is something I do want, though, out of player housing. What's that? What I've always wanted and what I've always been surprised they haven't given us is make it so the stuff I've done over the years reflects in my house. Like I, it just I, I I was the guy who was totally into the idea of once you clean out a dungeon, you can move in. That'd be cool. I always loved that idea. I don't get why there isn't an instance version of Blackrock Depths that I don't own. I can go down and see my little dwarf friends and be like, hey, guys, how's it going? They're like, you enslaved us. Yes, I did. I killed all <laughs> your leaders, and now this place is mine. I'm going to go upstairs. I also killed all them and took over their place, too. So I'm going to go sit on the Leferian throne. Ah, this is comfy. You know, and maybe not actually do that, but like people have wanted forever. They wanted buildings that fit their their faction and fit them. Like I'm playing a blood elf. Why do I have to live in in, in Orktown? You know, See, that's the part about uh, particularly like with the Wild Star part. You could you could get different houses. You could purchase different houses yeah, with that different would be awesome. styles. You, you could do that and with WoW and like have them be like the Elf Astrolab Tower. Just have them. Yeah. You know, plunk you it to go in, to... give them a box of Legos, and they will be happy for Like ever. a residential district in each capital city that's just instanced or phased or whatever. Yeah. I honestly feel like if garrisons had been set up so that you had to travel through a common hub with a lot of other players to get to them, they'd feel more alive. They would. And, and I think that there's so many things going on in the garrison that it contributes to you never leaving the garrison, whereas... If you had a house that had limited activities in it, but to decorate it, you had to go out in the world, right. well, then people wouldn't be AFK in their house. They'd be out in the world, and then they go to their house when they want to you know, set up shop. I, yeah. I hardly ever go to Warspear because there's no reason for me to go to Warspear. Everything suck. Everything that's available in Warspear is available in my garrison. There is no reason for me to leave my garrison. None. Yeah, the, only, the only thing, and we're going to move on at this point because I honestly feel like this is another subject we could talk about all day. Yeah, probably. And I want to use some other emails. But sure. I, I will agree that um, I think to a degree what we're saying is they have to make the garrison obsolete nest expansion because we've been trapped in it 
all experience. God, don't leave me there. Don't yeah. leave me there. Let so, me leave. Let me go please, somewhere else. Give me a reason to. Yeah, please don't make it so that we have to stay in the garrison. I think it's just general <laughs> feeling here. I'm going to actually jump to the last mail of the email because a lot of times the last mail doesn't get read and I always feel bad for it. So this is Richard from Alaria. Just ding 90 on my first horde tune and noticed something odd. After getting through the Cadgar smash fest and building my garrison, there are green frost wolf orcs in my garrison. Am I the only one that finds this odd? Did they already drink the Gul'dan Kool-Aid or is this just a glitch? Love the show and glad that you're all back. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you, Richard. Uh, And it's your fault, Richard. You brought the corruption with you and you corrupted them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a glitch. It it's has a- to be a glitch. I've never seen that. Yeah. It's either a glitch or it's just, you know, they've used like one or two green models instead of brown. Just, you know. I it think seems- have- Wasn't there something like that in Burning Crusade where a couple of the orc NPCs were red? Yeah. And red orcs were clearly like the bad guys? They were the fell orc models for some reason. It could be as simple as your computer not loading the proper texture. It could be, you know. Check your video drivers on your graphics card. It could <laughs> be a lot just of came out with an update. Yeah. <laughs> it could be the fact that the game, I don't know, the, the new system for the game storage is different. I don't know how it, how it keeps stuff in your computer anymore, but it used to be that the game, you know, loads everything from your computer to speed up. You know, so you didn't have to load everything from a distant server. And this could mean sometimes it would cache stuff and you'd see stuff that didn't make sense. Like, I remember doing Sunken Temple and all the big trolls were like, they had like normal troll textures on them. So they looked ridiculous. They were all stretched out. Yeah, you remember this. Yeah. Or like when this, like, faces wouldn't load right. They, um, it was actually kind of funny because all throughout the Warlords of Draenor beta. This You'd is... find NPCs that that were like the textures and the models didn't match up, and they looked really strange. So um, this is maybe crazy, but uh, could those orcs not be Drainer's Frost Wolves? They're just orcs from Azeroth that came through the portal when you built your garrison. It's possible. I don't. I don't remember because what the honest. green orcs? Yeah, Frost Wolf orcs. No, because if they're fr- Frost Wolf orcs, then. Well, they could be our Frostwolves. That would be weird as heck, though. Well, it says after getting through the Cadgar Smash Fest and building the garrison. And when you build the garrison, it's a bunch of people from Azeroth who come through and hang out. Yeah, but if they're listed as a Frostwolf orc, then why would they? Well, I guess they could be like Azeroth's Frostwolf orcs, but the Frostwolf never drank the green Kool Aid, though. Thrall's uh, green. But Thrall, Thrall's green, and they did turn green because Duratana and Draka turned green. Maybe there are frost wolves. I don't know. That's weird. Yes. So, yeah, basically the answer is it's probably some kind of mix-up, but we don't know what kind. So, All right, next email. Hail, good podcasters. I'm jumping around to try and get through them without, like, you know, unduly favoring the ones I picked first. Okay. Hail, good podcasters of Blizzard Watch. In the recent Hazacostas interview, they asked the following yes or no question. Is 6.2 the last patch of Warlords? To which Hazacostas replied, we have plenty more story to tell after this. The fact that he doesn't say yes makes me think he was trying to give a non-answer that sounded positive. If asked about that quote in 7.0, he could easily say I was referring to future expansions. I find it hard to trust anything Blizzard says about WoW now, and I know I'm not the only one. Do you really think there will be anything substantial for War- Warlords of Draenor after 6.2? I'm personally expecting something akin to the garbage of 6.1. Thanks. Uh, way too spooky, Undead Rogue. Well, I'm sorry you're too spooky, Spooky. Can't uh, question too spooky for me. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I don't think they're actually attempting to fool us. I, I don't. They, Blizzard sometimes plays it close to the vest, but they don't necessarily. They're not like out to try and trick you with a patch. That just they aren't not, trying to trick you. They're trying to give a reasonable answer without boxing themselves into a corner that they can't get back out of. Yeah. Um, which is that's PR. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like personally, Warlords of Draenor, it feels like they give a lot of answers like this, and I'm tired of it. Yeah, me too. Like, um, what well, was it? Chilton that just like. He just said stuff in an interview that was just a lie because he didn't want to actually answer the question. It's like they, they, they're giving these interviews in Warlords, but they don't want to say anything. And it hasn't felt like that in any previous expansion. It's just Warlords. Like, an interviewer who is there because Blizzard said, hey, I want you to interview our developers, and the, the publication says, okay. The publication asks the question, and Blizzard goes, haha, I'm not going to answer that because I'm not going to say anything about this expansion. I'm sick of it. That's what, that's what Warlords has been. And it's kind of, you know, in a way, I, obviously, Missa Pandaria, the thing that I thought was like one of the biggest mistakes of Missa Pandaria was, was revealing who the final boss was going to be before the expansion even came out, you know? And, and I said, there's, there's an element of surprise there that you should keep and hold and foster. This I, is not fostering an element of surprise here. See, this is just I, irritating a lot of people. Personally... <laughs> I didn't have a problem with knowing who the last boss was. I did, but that's we, because I mean, I'm looking at it from a story standpoint. You know, well, for, even like I was super into the story in like Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King. Like I was writing Know Your Lore at that time. It didn't upset me that I knew we were going to fight the Lich King at the end of Wrath of the Lich King. Right. Like uh, we knew that. That didn't ruin anything. Uh, we knew, you know, we were going to kill Illidan. That didn't ruin it. Yeah, but I, I'm willing to argue that that doesn't ruin it in some cases, but it does in others. Um, for Mr. Pandaria, knowing that Garrosh was the end boss was an enormous mistake. It's straight up. It, because you was, didn't watch yeah. his journey to that role of end boss. You just waited for him to get there. Yeah, the, from Mr. Pandaria, knowing that it ended in, in Orgrimmar, it, it basically ruined what was a mid-season twist for the expansion. This expansion led you to a certain point where Garage was acting kind of aggressive, but he wasn't acting out of character. And then you and get then to 5.1 and yeah, he scenario starts his heel with Volgen. Oh. Yeah. He starts his heel turn around that time. And it's if, if taken away from the knowledge of what the expansion was going to be. That would have been was, just a... <gasps> yeah. Because it was him abandoning all those principles of honor and so forth. And we've, I, talked, we've talked before about how that was... That was back and forth contrast between developers that didn't know what the other developer was wanted to do. We've talked about that. How I mean, Garrosh was, was kind of a dick since Wrath of the Lich King. So yeah, yeah, but that's you could have a leader who's a dick, and it actually you works just fine. Didn't expect him to turn on his own people though, and, yeah. and the the people were expecting him to do it because they were told, "Yeah, this is what's going to happen. We're going to turn on him." But I mean. That's kind of getting off topic. The main thing is, is well, I think it, it like works said, for here too because I was just looking at the. Uh, I'm actually looking right now at the quote that we're talking about. It's from the Polygon art interview, uh-huh. and it's you know, we've got plenty of non of more story to be told after this. Has Acosta says when asked whether the patch 6.2 will be the last big content update for Wall as a Draenor. Now, obviously, yes, he does not say there will be a patch 6.3. He no, because he doesn't want to pin pin himself yeah. into. If they decide that they don't really need to do that, they're kind of working off the fly. I just I get the feeling, you yeah, know. It, it's different than in mists. It felt like they had a beginning to end plan. 
Yeah. Like the expansion was planned out. It was meticulously planned out. Tell me honestly that you saw Archimonde coming as, as the end boss of the 6.2 raid. That you really knew, oh yeah, Archimonde totally would be the end boss of this raid. Because uh, I didn't. I, I figured he was going to show up, but that's because they put in the Burning Legion missive. And yeah. I might have been willing to actually speculate and think about the story of Tom Chilton's head and said, Grom Hellscream is the end boss of... Oh, see, I didn't believe Tom Chilton because I just don't believe Tom Chilton. I just wouldn't expect (laughs) the developers to just lie. Yeah, I don't know if they lied so much as maybe they didn't even know. Well, that's kind of like... That's how I... He was just throwing out there, you know? Whether it's true or not, that's how I feel with their, their inability to answer these questions. It feels like they have no idea what they're doing. And they must. They must have something in development. But the fact that we've always known beforehand, and now they won't say anything, it feels like they don't know anything. Either they don't know, or they think they're going to surprise the heck out of us with what they're doing, one or the other. And keep in mind, too, one of the funny things is that old Blizzard, going back to like 2004, 2005, used to be great at not telling us stuff was coming. Yeah. Like, remember the time when they would, like, actually, when they revealed StarCraft II and people did web comics about how they must plant bombs in their employees' heads to keep this from leaking? Yeah. <laughs> and then we suddenly and it, it changed so so drastically around the time of like Warlords and then I mean of of Wrath and then Cataclysm. The Cataclysm spoilers were thick and fast. Yeah. And and you guys remember when they were doing Warlords of Draenor at BlizzCon and they were revealing it people were like it felt an awful lot like an announcement that they were doing that everyone already knew was coming out. And really? it almost yeah, it kind of did. It well, felt an awful thing lot. is Blizzard is a lot leakier than anybody cares to admit, but a lot of in a lot of cases, it's people don't say anything out of respect. But all it takes is one person blabbing everything. It's like okay, the whole thing's spoiled. Yeah, so, I mean, how many people work at Blizzard know about this stuff? They and probably plenty all of people outside of Blizzard know because of that. They just don't say anything because it's the yeah. If your friend time. tells you. Your friend there is like, you know, man, if you tell anyone this, I could lose my job. And they're like, yeah, okay, man, I won't say nothing. That kind of yeah. thing. It's like, okay, I appreciate you telling me. That's cool, but I'm not going to go get you fired. Yeah. But once in a while, you get somebody who is going to be a jerk and blow the whole thing. And, and yeah. As far as your question, we don't uh, – We're all, basically, you can tell by what we're saying that each of us is on a, different, a slightly different frequency of we have no idea. Like I think I think Anne's probably closer to the truth than either Alex or myself, but we both we all three of us have kind of a sense of yeah yeah I don't know. I think we're going to see something after six point two. Yeah, but what I'll is flat it out be? say it. I think we're going to see something after six point two. My what crazy is prediction be? is we're going to see a new expansion announcement at Gamescom instead of BlizzCon. No, and they don't want to leak that. Mm, that would be interesting. But I think that we're going to see like something else after what goes on because, yeah, know your lore this week is going to be interesting. I'm I'll saying Gamescom. I'm saying Gamescom because if they don't announce before BlizzCon, they're just back to the two-year expansion cycle again. That's true. And if they're back to the two-year expansion cycle again, um, why did they like double the size of their team for World of the Drainer, which is? It's not shown at Warlords, so it has to be in the next one. Why, how how did they double the size of the team for Warlords and come up with like 
a drastically smaller number of quests. I just, I don't know. What were they doing? (laughs) Next email is from Tanchi, the troll monk from Argent Dawn EU. And Tanchi, thank you for having a name that I'm reasonably certain I got okay. Um, Hello, Blizz Watchers. Uh, A somewhat newer listener here coming to you with a question regarding Warlords of Draenor's story. More specifically on how it compares to that of the previous expansion, Mists of Pandaria. Would you say that the Mists of Pandaria story department was more successful than Draenor's? Whatever the answer, can you pinpoint the factors as to why? This can go from the premise of the story, the setting, the writing of the characters and quest dialogue, lore quality, and quantity of your own categories. As someone who immensely enjoys the story content within Mr. Pandaria over Draenor's, I'm interested to hear your opinion of this. Uh, thank you for keeping up the good work. Uh, you've already managed to earn a spot amongst my go-to podcasts to listen to while playing WoW. My thank opinion you, is quick and shallow, so I'm just going to get it out of the way before you two go crazy. I didn't like Mr. Pandaria entirely because I don't like Pandaren. I, okay. I dislike them so much that it doesn't matter how good Ms. Pandora Sur was, I did I couldn't get into it. Okay. Anne? I'm gonna let you go, actually, because otherwise I'm just gonna go on and on. Alright. I think um Mr. Pandaria was better at realizing its story than World as a Draenor has been. And I think that's because Mr. Pandaria had patches that were dedicated to story development, that it had um the amazing patch five point one system where it basically threw a new entirely different way to get story content at people that it did. It's, it did so in a timely and interesting fashion. It followed it up with 5.2 and 5.3, both of which, you know, had more story elements to them. 5.2 in particular, the Isle of Thunder, uh, did, did a really good job of advancing the story. Um, in general, although I think there were missteps, uh, along the way, I think Mr. Pandaria just sim- quite simply did a better job of giving you its story, of showing you this is what's going on, this is the world, these are the events. That being said, I like Miss, I like Warlords of Draenor better purely because I like the story that I am being told, but I'm upset with how I'm being told it. Uh, I have real problems with how the story is unfolded. I, for instance, I think the level I've said it before and I'll say it again: the leveling in Warlords of Draenor was beautiful. I loved it. I really had a great time. I thought it was great. I liked my my Draenei getting to experience what he experienced. I loved the zones. I thought they were really well done. I liked the objectives. I thought a lot of it was really great. And the, it only started to fall apart for me once I was like level 100 and all I could really do for story is wait for the garrison campaign to rigidly time itself out and... That was basically it. Like, there's no real story in the raids. There kind of is, but it's it's mostly about you know collecting chunks for a magic ring, really. And mm, I just feel orcish middle management. It, the, the thing is, is you know, I really honestly feel like one of the biggest missteps was in how we've gotten the warlords. They shouldn't have been raid bosses yet. They shouldn't have been in these raids. Uh, Blade Fist in particular makes zero sense where he shows up. I mean, I get that the ogres have an arena, but him going back to the arena is roughly the equivalent of, like, it's just, no, you don't do that anymore. Your job is to be a bad guy, not not to go get killed first thing in the expansion. He's literally the first guy we kill. No. Mists did a better job. Well, technically, Nerzul was the... Yeah. He wasn't even ra- raid. He was it, just dungeon... I, I wanted to ignore that, but okay, yeah, you're right. Turton, there are still all the theories that neither Nerzul or Gorfin or Terran, whatever. Well, or, well, we know Terran isn't dead. Yeah, yeah we don't yeah. know about Nerzul yet. 
But um, I mean, in general, I mean, I'm gonna let Dorfin's new model is stupid. Yeah. I'm going to let Ian go at this point because I'm pretty sure she has to say, well, in some ways agree and in some ways disagree with what I'm saying. But for, for me, Warlords' disappointment hasn't been the story so much as how it's being told. Yeah, and um, honestly, that's pretty much where I'm going to go with it. It's not a matter of – it's how the story is presented. And, you know, you back away – you have to back away from what the story was. Like, you have to back away from the whole, oh, there were Pandaren, oh, there was this... You just have to look at it from, like, building blocks, I guess. You have to, like, take a step back and just kind of look at it analytically. And when you look at it analytically, a lot of the problems of, like, say, oh, Cataclysm. Cataclysm had a lot of building blocks, but they were scattered and there wasn't actually, like, a defining thread that pulled them all together not one that we could easily see. It was there. It just wasn't given to us. You know, yeah, I, I'd agree you with you there. You have to look at it and yeah. really look at it. Missa you- Pandaria, the way that they set up Missa Pandaria, they had the building blocks. They had the thread. The thread led us through the thing. And nowhere, nowhere as good as 5.1. And I know I say this all the time, but the thing that I loved about 5.1 was that, yeah, you had the pointless dailies that you did, but every other day you were getting a chunk of story. Not only were you getting a chunk of story, it was a chunk of story that contributed to that main storyline. And then you had this little narrator dude, right? You had the, it was either the dwarf or the hosen that would fly out where you needed to go. And just in case you forgot about what, was, what you just did a couple of days ago, they would fill you in. And they would talk about how cool it was that you did that thing. So you were never really lost through and, that and 5.1 experience. I got to say this and I, because I think it's something that really fits into that. Mm-hmm. The, whole, the fact that you got it every other day. Yeah, you didn't have to wait too. a week for it. You, you didn't, didn't have to wait. You, know, you had you, no time to forget about it, really. Um, because people retain information on different levels. And, you know, some people remember things from week to week. I usually remember things from week to week. It's just the longer I go without being introduced to something new, the less I care about that new thing. And 5.1 was about the perfect pace where it was like, oh, good, I get a new goodie every other day. And it felt really rewarding and it felt really solid. And the story felt really solid just from it was, you know, building block thread, building block thread, building block thread. And that's how it should go. Warlords did that with the leveling experience for the most I, part. I it missed my garrison lot- campaign quest for like almost a month because it was down in that druid cave in the Alliance right. garrison. Yeah, I never go on over there. Why is that quest down there? I missed it for a month. Right. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, is the leveling experience in Warlords, it kind of, Gorgrond was kind of a misstep. It felt like a misstep to me. But when you go and you look at the other zones like Shadow Moon Valley or even Spires of Iraq was beautifully done. There was that weird little piece at the end, but it was mostly beautifully done where it was like, you got a building block, you met a person, they said, we need to go do this other thing, here's why we need to do it, and there was that thread that led you to the next block, and it did that all the way through the leveling experience, all the way up to where you kill Garrosh, and then you hit level 100, and suddenly, you don't know where the building blocks are anymore, you're not sure where they're at, sometimes you catch a glimpse of one, there's no thread like actually connecting any of them and you're just sort of lost and you feel lost. That's the only way I can describe it. It's, it's whatever, whoever's putting together the story out there, they did it right with the leveling experience and then they just lost it at end game. 
Why why do you have to go find these quests? You are the commander of a military outposts. People should come to you. People should come to you, but more importantly, you know, I I I mentioned in Know Your Lore when I was writing uh the Know Your Lore about this whole story problem that we've got at Endgame. There's a couple of problems. And one of the statements that I made is that what I've really learned so far from Warlords of Draenor is that being in charge really sucks. Because when you're in charge, <laughs> you don't really have anything significant to do. You get other people to do it for you. That's how being in charge works on Azeroth, apparently. Um, not how it works out in the real world. You got all kinds of things that you're doing usually, but it doesn't feel like it on Azeroth. Um, and the other thing is, it, it they spent so much time making this leveling experience so amazing that I was absolutely convinced that when we hit level 100, we would see that same level of quality. And we don't. And that that really confuses me because people spend... You know, when you look at the entirety, the, ex- the expanse of an expansion, when you're looking at like a two-year expansion cycle, right? You spend the first, what, like two, three months tops leveling. And then the rest of it is spent at max level. And that's where you should have all that stuff. And the fact that it's not there is weird. <laughs> it often feels like there's two completely different groups of people that do the level up content and the people who do the max level content and the people who do the level up content are amazing and the people who do the max level content where did they go i want to know where the leveling people went because they disappeared well i (laughs) I don't know where they went like they just get moved on on to the next one if they're currently working on the next expansion which we've been told they are and those people are probably busy designing new zones uh you know i i mean meanwhile we're sitting here yeah, and it, it, I, I really think the, the story of, of Missa Pandaria, I would actually say that as an overall story, it's, it's, it's very hard for me to judge story divorced from its telling. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you go see a movie and the idea of the movie is really interesting, but the movie is not good, like the, the cinematography is terrible and the acting is bad, it's hard to divorce that from well, what were they trying to say? And yeah, that's, see, that's and what... I like looking at – I look at it on those different – that's how I yeah. look at things all the time, especially when you're dealing with an ongoing perpetual story. You kind of have to look at it from that aspect. From that perspective, I would say that Warlords of Draenor has a better story than Miss Pandaria. But from the I perspective – We've gotten to the end here, and like I said, there well, are the thing, building is... blocks all over the place. There's nothing holding them together. And there's the nothing tying yeah. us to any of them. We're just yeah. sort of floating there. See, that's the thing is like in terms of like the execution of it, which I think that is part of the thing. I think the building blocks connection is the execution, at least in my the way I look at it. Mist did it better, and there's no disputing this. Mists, I knew how I felt about it. I knew what was happening. Uh, I remember like one of the things that re- I really remember to this day is when you went in. To the to the last raid when you went into Siege of Orgrimmar and you weren't in Siege yet you were in the Vale still yeah you you come upon the, the protectors oh and that's one of the most poignant moments in that raid because they were just trying to do their job and protect the Vale and now you got to kill them and they they like they reference back to stuff they said when they were quest givers when they were the Golden Lotus quest yeah. givers yeah that's just it's an example of it's not a big story moment it's, but it tied back. 
it, yeah, there was just, the thread. It tied back. It pulled it together, and it was just it like gut punch, emotional. Mm. Yeah, I just remember there was like this. I was reading about Carl Masek, who was the guy that came up with Robotech for the United States market when anime was coming over back in the eighties and nineties. I think it's actually the late 70s for Robotech, but I'm not sure. And one of the things that the person was talking about was how there are these little moments that don't directly feed into the story. Like characters make little comments and so forth that just – he his example he gave was like you know, a, a woman saves a soldier from being killed by robots. And after she leaves, the guy goes, man, I wish I'd met her in peacetime. And it's just this little bit that doesn't contribute to the story at all, but it, it shows that that's a person. And that's the what three, makes the characters real. Yeah, and the protectors are an example of this because ultimately killing the protectors or fighting them or whatever isn't the point. It's the point that you knew them. There's that guy who always gave me that horrible quest. I had to fly all the way over there and try and get those stupid hosen to stop taking people's kegs. There's that woman. You know, she used to give me the daily to go ride the giant ball. And there, you know, that's something warlords has tried to do, and they did it in leveling, like Rolcon. Like I know who Rolcon is. You know. Yeah. I remember, you know, Rulcon's like one of my favorite followers because, you know, we'd had that whole bit where she took me down to the cave and showed me what Nirzul had done and how it broke her heart. And I'm like, yeah, that really sucks. And so I, you know, but then I'm not, what am I doing with Rulcon? I'm sending her on missions. You this know? Is, this is the entire reason why I hate the fact that Gar- Garona is a follower. Like, why is she a follower? Why is she following us? <laughs> what's, what's the point of her following us exactly? It's like, it's like, they this once they become a follower, they are a mindless drone that says the same thing to you every time you walk by. I you think know? I, I use as few established characters as my followers as possible because I think having like the the ones you get from just the regular quest givers or the ones you get from the inn, it feels more like they are part of my story, whereas if it's somebody who is established becomes my follower, it's I killed their story. Except Archmage Vargoth. It's totally okay that he's a follower. Yeah, Vargoth is cool. You know why? I'll tell you why it's okay he's a follower. Because he never did anything. <laughs> he sat in a tower for multiple years. This is I actually- always thought it was okay that he was a follower because like, when you went to find his pieces and stuff, he was trying to get to us anyway. So it's like, okay, you're here now. Now work for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's pretty. I think we've pretty much talked about that to the level we can, and I think we've answered your question as best we can. I think the general consensus is Alex hates everything, uh, and Ann and I basically Just think. Just Darren. Yeah, and well, yeah, but we'll come up with something you'd hate next week. It's fine. We know. Yeah, Ann and I generally think that Mr. Pandaria at least executed its story better. I think Ann probably thinks it was an overall better story. Am I talking for you, or am I right? I thought the zones were beautiful. I just didn't care what the Pandaren were doing in or around them. Okay. But I was actually asking Anne, like, it, would, where, final call. You Miss and Pandaren I are kind of on the same level as far as execution. Okay. Yes. All right. So that's the show. And uh, as always, if you want to send an email to the show, uh, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. And uh, as always, this is the point where I'm going to ask Alex to talk about our Patreon because, you know, without our Patreon, we don't exist. Yes, if you want to support the show and Blizzard Watch in general and everything we do, you can uh, support us at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. It's a monthly thing. You can give as much or as little as you want. Pays for podcasts, articles, all that. And if you have any questions for the podcast, you can send it to that email Rossi mentioned, or you can just leave it as a comment on Patreon. I'll get to it. Okay. 
Well, and that's it. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, I'm Matthew Rossi. Alex and Anne, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>